From Los Angeles, California, this is Burncast, and I'm Diva Danielle. This is Diva Danielle sitting in for DeBomb while she's away at San Francisco Decompression. She'll be back next week with an exciting show about all of her adventures. On that note, this Saturday, October 13th from noon until 11 p.m. is the 5th Annual Los Angeles Decompression Street Festival. Yep, it's that time again. Time to grab those dusty boots you just don't have the heart to clean off and experience the art, the culture, and the thrill of Burning Man brought to life in downtown Los Angeles. This year at a new location at Santa Fe between the 4th and 6th Street Bridge. For all information on location, artists, and performers, check the Los Angeles Burning Man website at www.la-burningman.com. And if that wasn't enough, Hip Genesis, Ninja Skills, and Pocket are coming together to create the After Party. There'll be shuttles marked Hip Genesis After Party going right from decompression to the location. $20 at the door, $15 presale tickets available at www.djwolfie.com. Oh, and for you Diva fans out there, I'll be on the decks from 11.30 to 12.30 in the main room. Today's Burncast is about burning love, relationships on the playa. Throughout my seven years at Burning Man, I've gone to the playa in a relationship. I've met people on the playa. I've hooked up on the playa. I've dated some people, some people I never saw again. I've had someone move in with me after the playa. I've walked in on somebody with who I think was their girlfriend that they didn't tell me about. I've been proposed to on the playa. I've been married on the playa. I've spent the whole week with the same person. I've spent the week with three different people. I've made out with friends. I've broken hearts. I've had my heart broken. Really, I think I've covered everything. I remember my first year going to the playa and my roommate said to me, well, I'm sure you're gonna find a cute playa boy. And I looked at him and said, what is that? And he starts telling me about how, you know, you go to the playa and you meet someone and it's like your boyfriend for the week. And I was like, huh? I don't really get it. But Wednesday, my first year on the playa in 2001, when this six foot four, tall, blonde, blue eyed boy walked up to our camp and ate dinner with us. And then I spent the rest of the week with him. <laughs> then I knew what my roommate had been talking about. Most of my friends that I told I was doing this podcast said to me, oh my God, Diva, I'm sure you're going to be getting lots of dirt. I mean, I think some of us might be a little jaded. (laughs) And we're at that point where we thought, well, things that start on the playa are probably best left on the playa. But what I got was much different than I expected. Friday on the playa, DeBaum and I made our way over to the Smooch Dome to find out, is a relationship that starts on the playa best left on the playa? Can a relationship that starts on the playa survive the default world? Can a relationship from the default world survive Burning Man? The first couple we ran into was Jen and John. It's their first time on the playa together and John's first time at Burning Man. So we're doing a podcast, our Burncast today, about Burning Man love and how the playa has affected your relationship. I think we should preface this by this couple, it's their first time together at Burning Man. And they've only been together how long? About seven, eight months. So, how is the playa treating you? Dusty, wet. He arrived yesterday to extreme heat and then a major dust storm. And then today we are getting more dust and more heat and... A little bit of rain. Little rain was lovely. Yeah. Yeah. Not too much. Yeah. So he slept like a baby last night. Driving all night, got here, 
played all day yesterday and crashed about 8 o'clock and got up 8 this morning. I didn't know what to expect and came out here and it's just uh, mind-blowing. Uh, it's trying to get my imagination around it and more the I see it. relationship is mind-blowing? That too. But all the, the visuals. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, lovey. Here's a question for the ladies. You've both shepherded virgins on your relationship. Mm -hmm. How did it impact your relationship? This is yet to be determined here. <laughs> Um, it's definitely a work in progress. I mean, any relationship is going to be, and putting it out here on the playa is a make-or-break situation. So it's really how the two interact. I've turned into a total bitch. Is that right, Ashley? You can be truthful. Yeah, it's okay. Actually, not more than usual. <laughs> <laughs> Good. He's not running away from me yet. No, what is making it. you bitchy? Uh, the stress, actually, making sure he's okay as well as myself. Usually, you take care of just yourself. So. You know, and look, keep an eye out for others. Well, this time I feel like I've got a lot more responsibility. And in my case, we had so much to prepare for. I think that having gone, it was his first time. It was my first time doing an art car. And having those two things together and the level of stress. And I had to go away for a month right before Burning Man. And trying to get everything done, it was just, it was too much. Okay, now we've heard this all before, what happens on the ply stays on the ply. What about people who have come from committed relationships and feel free to have other types of relationships out? Is that, how do you feel about that, that philosophy? I think it depends. If they discuss it beforehand, then, you know, they can come up with something that works. But constantly I've seen people get into trouble because they don't discuss it. And somebody thinks they can go home with someone else because we're a burning man and da-da-da. Last year I actually saw, I was driving home in the art car, and I saw this girl outside of her camp. She had her purse on her arm screaming at this guy going, You ruined my life! And then they had rope light all around their camp. She starts ripping the rope light down, screaming, like total drama. And I'm like, I'm sure that that guy slept with someone else. <laughs> I think you need to discuss it in advance. I mean, I've seen other couples here that have open relationships and it works totally fine for them. They already know their limits and they do what they need to do out here and they come back together and they leave happily ever after. Um, you and I barely touched on it because we're still in a, a fairly new relationship. So You're in the newlywed phase. Yeah, exactly. So I'm not sure that, that we've actually discussed fully if... Um, if you suddenly started lusting after some hot chick, exactly what I would do with that. Yeah, we haven't discussed that. Or if he would act upon it. By, that, by the way you phrase that question, I have a feeling, and check me if I'm wrong, that you're saying you would, it's no problem for you to be monogamous here. Is that correct? I'm with him right now, which is monogamous. So, yeah, i got to stick to that unless we hear otherwise. Likewise, yeah. Like I said, it's such a new relationship that uh, we're still exploring different situations with each other. and uh, So it's like a... This is just New another aspect. Right, another facade or another uh, facet of it that uh, we're getting through. And what I've been most impressed with is the preparation leading up to Burning Man. You know, the Jennifer's, amount of money spent? Well, not so much money, but the amount of uh, preparation going into it and time and all the stress. We've got to get it done, get it done. And I think, oh, you know, it's just a big camping trip. And now getting up here and seeing what it's all about. The extreme I camping I would have started about the yep. next day I got back next year and start preparing for the following year. Any advice to couples coming out to the playa? Keep on kissing. Aww. Don't go to bed, Matt. Next, we ran into Good Day as he was crawling out of his tent. He told us he'd been married at Burning Man, and we were immediately intrigued. My name's Andy Cook. They call me Good Day out here. This is my fifth burn. Met her on my second burn. Let's see, there was a big, huge uh, 
I don't know what it was, a big light square deal, and she was dancing, and I thought, oh wow, look at you. And then I went and found my friend Derek, and he said, we'll go talk to her. I was like, no, no, no. And uh, so he went up to her and said, hey, my friend thinks you're really cute, what's your name? And uh, so that's how I met Lacey. Um, it was just a total mock marriage. We walked off and played around and decided we we're going to get married the next night. And so we, uh, we, went, we had a, a two-story art car and uh, had a huge ceremony. And a good friend of mine from home um, who doesn't even camp with us, but he's an ordained minister. But we didn't sign any papers, obviously, and she's not my real wife, but she was my wife for... Uh, playa wife? Yeah, playa wife. And uh, and so uh, we consummated on the car right in front of everybody. Did and, really? Uh, yeah. What was that like? Um, out of this world. Yeah, it was uh, absolutely beautiful. Was that your first time having public sex? That's a good question. <laughs> that was my first time having community sex. <laughs> yeah, that might have been might have been my first real show. But I've had a few others. So you two are still together now? No. Oh, okay. No, actually, she is not here, and she's getting married to some guy from home. And she's really getting married? Really getting married. Okay. Yeah. How do you feel about that? Awesome. You're happy for her, then. Oh, yeah. You guys are friends. Yeah. How does her, her husband-to-be feel about you? He doesn't even know me. Oh. <laughs> so is it, what do you think? Do you think what happens on the playa stays on the playa, then? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and there's times when you can pull it off, but for the most part, this is our community. And, uh, and what we bring here stays here if we want it to stay, and if we want to take it, we can take it. So have you had any player romance this year? Um, actually, yes. Last night, uh, started dancing, uh, I don't know what time, and uh, all of a sudden, it was uh, daylight, and uh, I had just met this really gorgeous gal who could move like a queen and uh, we took off and went and hung out at center camp and listened to a poet and uh, actually for the first time I had a non-sexual orgasm without intercourse and uh, she did as well so we did uh, the probably the most erotic hold I've ever been a part of so it was very very awesome. I, I, how does that, something like that happen? I don't know. It was awesome. And we were both so soft and it was just so friggin' right that uh, we're in center camp and I wasn't, uh, she wasn't real comfortable with having sex in public and neither was I, to tell you the truth. I would have rather came back to the camp or whatever. But we were there and we uh, were just like, I don't know, it was awesome. Yeah, it was just uh, an intertwined mess of love. So, do you think you'll see this girl again on the playa, or is it kind of like float off back into the desert? I'll probably see her again, I'd imagine. Yeah, I, I wouldn't, I mean, it's, I'm not out searching for her, but I guarantee you we'll cross paths again. Are you looking for a relationship to take back with you to your default life? I don't know, yeah, no. Whatever happens, happens. I'm not afraid of it. Once we made it to Smooch Dome, we ran into Future Boy and his girlfriend, Jess World, who met at last year's burn. So, first off, you guys are a couple and you met on the playa. Tell us a little bit about how you met. 
Um, it, it was actually kind of random. It was um, it was a meeting of sort of um, maybe three sort of random things that happened. One was bumping into a friend in Centre Camp who asked me if I'd seen this guy, Chris Taylor, and I was like, Chris Taylor? I, I, I don't understand. No, I, 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 I'm not sure which Chris you're talking about. And he was like, well, if you see him, he's camping with Smoochstone, tell him, you know, he has a package for me. I was like, okay, I'll, 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 I'll keep that piece of information. And then at about four in the morning, I wander into Smoochstone, which is the camp next to mine. And I'm sitting talking to a friend on the sofa and this guy walks up to me and he says, hello, do you know, do you know our friend, do you know Santiago? Um, I'm like, um, yes, yes. He says, I, I have a package for him. And then we start talking um, for, a, I don't know, a small amount of time. And I'm, I'm still chatting to my friend and talking to him at the same time. And I think he went off and then brought me a grilled cheese sandwich. I brought you a, a pan-seared grilled cheese sandwich patented by Dr. Rod of Smooch Dome Incorporated. At, at 4am, which is probably the best player gift ever. <laughs> this, this grilled cheese sandwich, by the way, is, is now legendary because it um, allegedly um, aroused the romantic life of the couple on the couch next to us. The, the second grilled cheese sandwich. The first grilled cheese sandwich of this nature I gave to Jess. So we've long theorized that this was a, um, that grilled cheese sandwich is an aphrodisiac <laughs> when, when administered on the pie at 4 a.m. What was it about each other that attracted you? What were your first impressions that night? Um, I, I don't know. I thought, well, A, he was English and that piqued my interest and, and he was, connected to me and I'd heard so many stories about him through friends years ago and I, it finally clicked as to who he was. I, I knew of him through very a lot of people and I was like, oh, so, so you're Chris Taylor. Um, but I have to say at that first meeting I just thought he was really sweet and, and nice and interesting and funny and um, I was really tired because it was 4am. I, th I think we have to state for the record that you nearly asked to come back to my tent. You told me later. I, I went back to, to Gnome Camp where I was sharing a tent with a friend of mine and um, it was it was kind of a big dome and I got back and I really wanted to go to sleep and there was an orgy happening in my tent and I at that point didn't want to step over the orgy to get into my sleeping area at the back of the tent and um, I, the thought went through my brain that I, I could actually go back and ask this nice guy if I could sleep with him for the evening because he seemed really sweet and it would have been a comfortable, you know, nice way to spend the evening. But then you, you came back to the Smoosh Dome and you saw that I was talking to another friend of yours. Yes, and I thought he was interested in her, so I, I then turned around and walked back to Gnome Camp sullenly. <laughs> but then we met at a friend's wedding reception. It was at that wedding reception that I think we first sort of got really attracted to each other. Yeah, we spent a lot of time just sitting on the couch in Smoochstone talking to each other and... Drinking champagne. Drinking champagne. I gave, I gave a champagne on the second meeting, grilled cheese sandwich on the first meeting, champagne on the second meeting. This is my recipe for happiness. We also found out, I think back in the first meeting, but we really got to talk about this at the wedding reception, that she was the ex-roommate of my ex-ex-girlfriend. 
And I had, in fact, um, helped her to get over him. <laughs> but not realise this at the time. And I was like, wow, okay, so this is that, Chris. Did that somehow like make you worried? Like, had you heard bad things about Chris from the ex? No, no. She was actually pretty sweet about it all. She, she, the one thing she never had to say was anything really horrible about him. It was, um, it was a long relationship, and it had ended, and she was devastated. But at the same time, she, she never said anything nasty about him. He never did anything really horrible to her. I, <laughs> no comment. <laughs> There was also the camp, the couch at Costco. I was attempting to walk to my best friend from England's camp, which was just past the Costco camp, and um, said, oh yeah, I'll, I'll walk with you. Um, I'm heading in that direction, and never actually made it. I fell asleep on his lap on the Costco, on the couch at Costco. Oh, no, not on my lap. Oh no, I had my feet on your lap. I wanted to offer you my lap, but I was too shy, and you have since said that you would have slept there, but you would too shy and we were just being all sort of shy and sweet about each other. I also remember that on the, walking on the way to Costco, I was going there to get my typewriter repaired. Um, we uh, we talked to God, I remember, on the way to Costco. Uh, that's always a good bonding experience, I recommend that. So so what what's the formula so far? Grilled cheese sandwich on the first meeting, champagne on the second meeting, talk to God on the third meeting. Talk to God together. Did you leave the playa together, or is that something that, as a couple, or did that develop once you guys both went back to New York for you, Jess, and San Francisco for you, Chris? We had a sort of semi-date that wasn't a date when we went to the Temple Burn. We'd, we'd sort of merged our camps by that point, and we were the, the smooch nomas. And uh, so we all headed out to, to both burns together, and it wound up where we just wound up hanging out with each other and talking to each other for most of the evenings. I decided by this stage to persuade her to move to San Francisco. Really? Yes. Because she was... with you? No. Oh. Because she was hating her work situation in New York and she was in the uh, streaming media business and I said, you know, you totally need to be in Silicon Valley. And of course there was a little ulterior motive in there, but mostly it it was also, it was a win-win. It was, you know, I wanted her to be happy and I knew she would be happier on the West Coast and there'd be more jobs available. So let's get to the good stuff. When did you guys finally kiss? <laughs> I left the playa straight after the, the temple burn and the waffle burn, but I'd already invited her to come and stay. I'd also invited some other campmates to come and stay, so lo and behold, when Jess arrives, there is no spare room for her to sleep in. Yes. I'm sorry. I, I didn't realize this, and I really thought I was going to be sleeping in the spare room. And I'm thinking about him all day, and I'm thinking that, you know, there's some suggestion of watching some TV when we get home and, and things. We revealed that we're, we're both geeks. We both, we bonded over Doctor Who. Oh. And, um, he had some um, episodes that I hadn't seen. Like, I hadn't seen any of the, the new stuff at all. And so I sent him a text message during the day, which basically said... I'm almost done here. Looking forward to a couch, a cuddle, question mark, and Doctor Who. Um, and that led to the kissing. <laughs> <laughs> so let's recap. Uh, grilled cheese sandwich, champagne, God, Doctor Who. <laughs> the formula for a successful romance. So now, it's a year later, you're both back at Burning Man. How has 
you're coming together. Has that affected your relationship? How has it been? Was there any stress? Has it been really easy? The first big thing to notice is that in the end of eating, uh, Jess moved from New York to San Francisco and moved in with me. And um, we've been living together, so we're, we're, we're now kind of like an old couple. It has changed the way I've done Burning Man, because before, if I had a partner at, at the burn, I would tend to leave them more often, or I'd go off and do my own thing, or... Um, it's the first burn I've actually been persistently with the per like the person I'm dating. It's like I'm I'm with him 24/7 pretty much, and that's really changed my burn a lot. How is that? It's actually nice. Obviously, it's a testing ground for any relationship, and there are going to be tough moments, and you're going to have to demonstrate that you can pull through those tough moments, and that you can negotiate. So it's really just a continuation of our learning to negotiate with each other. Can you guys give us an example of a challenge that you've experienced this week? I think, I think just actually managing our own cranky and understanding that when the other person gets cranky because they're tired um, or hungry or dehydrated that it's actually not our fault. It's sort of I tend to blame myself if his mood decreases and he does the same thing and then we get into this sort of spiral of misery because he's miserable which makes me miserable or I'm miserable which makes him miserable and we just don't pull ourselves out of it so the big challenge is being able to snap ourselves out of it and say actually we need to go do this proactive thing to make ourselves happy and it's a really basic thing it's like eating or drinking or yes. and also looking after each other's I mean we, you know it is manage your own cranky that's the rule but you know you you need to be generous with it um, and we've instituted this morning the uh, crankiness threat level um, let's hear this well you know it, it's the most severe crankiness threat level is red and then it goes down to orange and then uh, what did we decide I think, I think it was um, either yellow or green now I'm curious do you have any advice for couples that don't go together but have an expectation of monogamy does what happened on the playa stay on the playa? I think you have to negotiate that before you you go. And I think the problems I've run into with other friends is there's couples that go, one of them goes, one of them stays home. They think what happens on the playa is going to stay on the playa. And they think that none of their friends are ever going to tell. And then six months down the road when they've forgotten all about it and they are truly monogamous and they're feeling monogamous, somebody says, oh, by the way, did you know? Um, really agree to it before you go. It, there's no point thinking that what's going to happen here is going to stay here. Yeah, I'd, I'd echo that, that bit about the interconnectedness of your friends, even though you don't realize it. I mean, you know, we were a continent apart and we'd never met, and yet we had this vast interlocking network. And we're still finding that some of my friends that we meet on the planet this year know some of her friends, and we didn't know that was a connection before, so... Yeah, you you can't. Uh, it's like it's like email. You should always assume that any email you write should is going to be read by the world. You should always assume that anything you do on the flyer is going to be, you know, reported back. So behave accordingly. Next, we talked to Smosh and Not That Dave, who started their relationship on the playa, got engaged on the playa, got married on the playa, now Smosh is pregnant on the playa, and just so happened to be the founders of the Smooch Dome. We um, met actually on Nerve.com because we were coming to the playa. And I saw Smosh's ad saying, anyone going to the playa? And we each knew one person. 
So I responded to her ad saying, yeah, I, I'm going to the playa. And we met for a drink in New York. And we thought, oh, he's nice. Oh, she's nice. I, mean, I think we were both sort of like, eh, it's nice, you know, no big deal uh, when we met in the city. But when we got out here, I don't know, we ran into each other on the street. And I think I got hit by a lightning bolt or something because I have never in my entire life been more excited to see somebody and absolutely irrationally excited to see this guy who I had only met for like half an hour for a drink once before. So, and um, we spent the whole week together from there on. That was 2002. The next year, I proposed on the playa, Friday night, Saturday morning. Sun was coming up. We were crawling into bed, and I said, hey, let's get married out here. Yeah, yeah, no. He's like, yeah, want to get married out here next year? And I, I had just realized, like, two days before that I wanted to marry him, and that I was, like, in love with him. And so I'm lying there thinking... Oh my God! It's dawn. He just sit through this out there. No, so no, I long pause, and I finally said, "Okay, yeah." And then he says, "But not like in reality camp or anything. Just out here." I was like, "Uh, well, I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know if I want to do it halfway. If we do it, he's like, "Okay, well, you think about it," and then falls asleep and avoids me for two days while he's getting a ring and preparing like a real, real proposal and I'm freaking out and having, you know, thinking, did he take it back? After I said it, I realized, I just proposed. I have to like actually deliver to this promise. Uh, like I've just, I've just done this and I, I have no ring, I have no plan. And I'm, I'm now going to sleep, and I, I have to figure this out later. <laughs> like, yeah, can't deal. I, sleep. Yeah, can't, can't deal sleep. So uh, then Saturday morning, and I'm like, I find my best friend in the plot. I'm like, uh, Danielle, I need a ring. Can you find me a ring? And she's like, I have a blinky ring. You can use this. This is heart-shaped blinky ring. Heart-shaped blinky <laughs> ring that she, she has in her pocket. Okay, good. So I have to propose, like for real. So we have like a story. Because we can't, the story can't be at the end of a long night, I just sort of said this offhanded bullshit thing. No, it's got to be like a real story, right? I, we need a real proposal story we can tell to anybody. So it's kind of like something is burning, bur doves are taking off, something has to be happening that's monumental, right? So it's like, okay, so when the man burns, uh, then I'll do it. Then I'll do it. Except. Splash is rangering. Except Splash is rangering. <laughs> It was not the time. It was not the time. It was just—it it couldn't. There was too much going on all around us, and it couldn't happen. And I had the ring in my pocket the whole time, and so, uh, so the next day, Sunday, um, I Smosh is asking me, you know, do, should we talk about this? And I'm like, I can't talk about it. We can't. I can't. I don't I have nothing to say. I, I'm, I'm useless. I can't talk about this. There were like four or five different times where I tried to approach him and say, hey, you know, I, I really want to figure, you know, did you mean that? Like, and he'd say, I'll be right back and I'm like walk deal away. With this issue over here. I finally said, "Oh fuck this! We are not getting married. He's an asshole. Um, you know, it's just going to be what it's going to be. If we're ever ready, we're ready. But it's not going to be now. And I just need to let go of this." Um, and I was so angry and so upset and still trying to reach him because he was avoiding me. And I was thinking, what would Dave do if 
if he were trying, if he were really upset. Like, because maybe if I act in the way that he would act when he was really upset, that would reach him. So I got wasted and drunk. And I drank like half a bottle of rum. And um, and I was crying. And I was like, fuck him. And, I, you know, and so, there was a dust storm that day. Oh, and I got caught out in the dust storm. And... Um, and I came back, and um, and I was getting dressed to go out to the temple burn, and then I was like, oh, screw it, I'm not going to go. And so I'm wearing my bear suit well, and, and fall asleep in my tent. This bear suit is like the cutest thing ever, because she has this bear suit that's made of this gray and white fabric, and she looks like an Ewok. It's like it's like, but she has no head. It's just Ewok from the neck down, like that is Smosh with no head. So he's trying. So I'm like asleep in the tent, and he comes in. And he's like. Are we going to the temple burn or what? And I was like, no, I don't want to go. He said, get dressed, we're going. I've like never heard you yell at me before. Because at this and point, it's like, it's like either I'm doing this now or we're fucked forever. <laughs> like either I'm proposing now or that's it. When will I propose other than this? Yeah. So, so I finally said, "All right," and so I'm like, you know, grumbling, and but I did get dressed. You and threw a shoe at me. Yeah, I did. I because I got dressed, and then I'm standing outside, and I'm putting my boot on, and I'm like sort of falling a little bit because I was sleepy and angry and drunk, and you know, and my shoe is not going on, and finally. I picked it up and I threw, he was in the tent and I threw it at the tent as hard as I could. I said, I'm not going! <laughs> and you're like, you're going! We're going, we're doing this. So, so I, I dragged her, kicking and screaming. I, and and, so and the temple was already burning. And by the time we got there, it was already fucking burning. And we, like, oh, it, it was, it was a campfire it was, it was at that out, point. It, it, it had fallen and yeah, everything. Yeah, it was, it was, it was like, like, it was just a bonfire well, at that, that point. Year, the temple was like a, made of cardboard anyway, so it probably went over like 10 seconds. Yeah, yeah. So it wasn't like we, we were probably like 10 minutes late, but it seemed like, like it's burning. Hurry it's up. Burning. It's enough. It's <laughs> enough. So I dragged her kicking and screaming out there, and I saw it's I burning. Crying. And I, and I got down on both knees, and I pulled out the blinking ring. And I said, Smosh, will you marry me? And I looked at him and just said, in my head, said, say yes now, kill later. <laughs> it was exactly what I was repeating in my head. And so I said yes, and I put on the ring, and I was still mad at him. And, but, but so in love with him, and I knew that I would get over being mad at him. And so I just sort of let that go and told everybody as my sort of way of revenge. <laughs> That would have happened. <laughs> but uh, the story so. is totally like making me teary-eyed. It's so cute. <laughs> okay, so from there, you're now engaged. Blinky ring. Did you have blinky rings at the wedding too? Oh my god. Where did you get married? No, where did you get married? Uh, <laughs> we have we have so many stories. We have three weddings. We uh, had our ketubah signing on the playa oh, nice. on uh, Wednesday in 2004, two years the day after we met. Yeah, we, we celebrate um, our anniversary on Wednesday on the playa. So I have no idea what the date is um, for any of our anniversary, but it's always Wednesday on the playa. So we met on Wednesday. We got engaged on Friday, but um, I knew on Wednesday, so I count that out. <laughs> but, uh, and then, um, so we had the ketubah signing on Wednesday, and we consider that our, uh, our real anniversary. Um, and that actually was really hard after... Um, 
after that signing to then try to do a New York wedding also because it felt like a sham and yeah, it felt like we were already married and why are we do why are we spending this money you know and we kind of had to because our families and you know yeah. none of them were out here but um, but it did feel like we were putting on a show when the real wedding had been out here how do you manage your relationship how do you manage the weather the dehydration the cranky factor um, how do you uh, the logistics how do you manage it how does it how is it divisive and how do you keep it together? I think our relationship was born out here and that we're, we actually recharge out here and come, come out here and sort of fall in love for the first time all over again. And so I can't imagine ever missing a year because you know how it's what do we do in the rest of the year that we manage our cranky you know as opposed to you know as opposed to being out here because out here is kind of a no-brainer um, you know it it's hot and it's hard work but we're in sync and um, and we have very very similar ideas about what we want and want to do out here and what the limits are I mean I think some relationships get into trouble when um, because one one person has a totally different energy level than the other or has expectations that you're going to be together all the time or not together and Dave and I tend to um, kind of do our own thing during the day but spend every night together and always have um, so it's but lately I think we've been spending more and more days together it's weird this year because I'm pregnant. Um, I get a lot tired easier. Um, I want to go to sleep a little. I mean, last night was amazing. I got home at 5:30 in the morning. Dave was still going. The you know the art car was going strong and had a hundred people on it. And I was like, all right, look, I'm gonna I'm gonna take off. Um, you know, we had this amazing kiss goodbye, and um, and then I assumed that you know come 10 o'clock in the morning or something, he when it got hot, he'd come stumbling in. 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, I'm starting to really get nervous now um, because it's really, it's out of character to go into the day. I mean, it's one thing to fall asleep someplace and, you know, I mean, we're pretty loose with each other about, um, you know, we're each out here to have our own good time as well as be with each other. So there aren't a whole lot of obligations in that, um, you know, in that respect. But that, now I was getting, I was getting worried. So, um called medical <laughs> you know I had uh, a friend and and then it started raining and I'm pregnant and it's hot out and I'm thinking okay I'm gonna ride my bike part way across the playa and the tires are gonna get caked up and I'm not gonna be able to move and I'm gonna be stuck there in cold and not like what do I do you know and um, so a friend decided to uh, to help out he's a ranger Jeeves he's amazing um, was like, here, take a radio, I have a radio, I'm gonna go across Playa and just race over there, see if I can beat the rain, and see if I can find him. And, uh, and, and, and basically, I was, just, I was just sort of sidetracked in a friend's camp for way too long, and as soon as Jeeves showed up and I saw him, I was like, oh, Smosh is worried, I have to go home now. Thanks, everybody. I'm going home. Oh, I liked it the way you said it better when you came home before. It's like, oh, Jeeves is here. Thank you, I can go home now. Yeah, yeah, thank you, I can go home now. Jeeves is here, I can go home now. But I'd hate to feel like it's like, oh, I have to go home now because no, no, no. I was worried. No, I was ready to go. I was ready to go home. It, I just couldn't quite get back here without Jeeves. How did Smoochdown get started? Well, so in, uh, in 2002 when we, um, when we met, um, pretty, soon, pretty soon after um, 
what Wednesday was our, our first day together we spent you know every night thereafter together um, we would just wander the whole playa you know for hours and hours until dawn almost every night um, but we found that there really wasn't anything in between a rave camp and a sex camp and so we'd go to these rave camps and we'd be up and we'd be walking around and then we'd get tired and we want to sit down and make out a little bit you know and we didn't want to go back to our tents we didn't know each other you know we didn't want to go to a site we didn't know each other it was like the sparkle of this um, of this very sweet kind of it what felt like an innocent um, relationship and we wanted to just you know sit down and kiss someplace and um, and we really had a hard time finding it. That year there were not very many chill spaces around. And, I mean, you had to go out to, like, D or something to find a place to sit down. I think ultimately was, we found some hammocks. And we hung out in some hammocks for a while. Yeah, but those were, those were part of, like, blacklight camps and stuff. So we had to, like, yeah. go to... We, and it felt like we were invading other people's private spaces um, just to go sit down and kiss a little bit. So yeah, and, and, just to, and just simply to, like, fuel a, a really, like, sweet, honest romance. Like, we didn't really want to go back to our tent and, like, fuck. you know... And fuck! <laughs> we wanted to, like, have, like, the, the wand around the playa and really hold get to hands. know each other and hold hands and and have a sweet thing and we couldn't find that place yeah so um so during uh, actually in the off year it was right be before uh, before oh. new york's decompression um oh, that that we um we were talking about doing uh doing a camp and um i had somehow randomly found this uh, heart-shaped inflatable red inflatable heart-shaped mattress and uh, which i thought was very fun so i wanted to do some sort of camp around um around that and some other friends of ours had a had a bus with a space in it and so we joined forces and made um and made the spooch pit um which is what it was called the first year and um at, we did a decom and a P at Playa del Fuego, um, and it was just amazing. I found that like people flocked to it. It became really popular, and um, and it was crowded and sort of overcrowded, um, and it just felt like we found something there. So the next year we did the Smooch Dome. So we had a 32 foot geodesic dome that uh, our friend built, and um, and so every year um, after that we've we've made this space because it really does span between um, between the two worlds. And, and we really feel like we're still doing it this year. It's 2007. It's the fourth year this Smooch Dome's on the playa. But we really feel like, you know, a, a chill space really is an expression of art here on the playa. And that a place to relax and to, um, you know, uh, encounter your partner and to just, just, just chill out and to foster a romance is a reasonable artistic expression and I really I really love creating this environment on the playa for other people to to hopefully have the same experience that we've had the last couple we hit up at the smooch dome was filthy and snatch who'd just been married the night before at the Philadelphia experiment and spent their wedding night with all of their friends in the Acavella so Art did you two meet on the playa uh, no we met at a regional burn actually which one? Um, Playa del Fuego in Delaware. It was my first burn, like it was my first anything. And um, this crazy girl with no shirt on came running out of the gazebo and like demanded that I make out with her and then like ran away. And I didn't make out with her because I was really stoned. And I was, you know, ah. Uh, and then she met me again when I couldn't go to the next Playa del Fuego when I had my head on a stick. I was really upset that I couldn't go to the burn, so I had... I had put up my life-size photograph and had my best friend carry my head around on a stick. 
And there's actually a picture of like her and I. So finally, I went to the third Clyde Fuego, and like she came running up to me. That doesn't work. And introduced herself, and I shook her hand. And she's like, "Well, that's a hell of a handshake. What are you tough or a dyke or something?" And I was like, "What the heck is with this chick?" And then like she ran away, and then we walked off, and I was like, "You know what?" I was hanging around with my friends, and I was like, "I gotta go back and find her." So I went back and I found her and I made some lame excuse like, uh, hey guys, everybody let's walk over and look at the fire burning. And then we walked over and then I think within like five minutes we were making out. And then <laughs> within like an hour we were in her tent and the rest has been history. The following night, I actually had taken, we have a friend of ours that's a shaman that uses a lot of like interesting alternative medicines. And I took some sort of Afri African dream drug and I don't remember really everything. She said I was in the tent pushing around a shopping cart in 7-Eleven yelling at people and um, telling them to stay in the shopping cart that I would take care of them. So I wake up the next morning not having any recollection of this and she's not there. And I'm really, really sad and I'm like, where is this beautiful girl that I just met and fell in love with? And then she came back around for Buddy Mary's and she was super cute. After this meeting, you were in the city together or how did it develop no, the relationship? Um, I was living in upstate New York and she was living in, uh, in New York, Queens. And uh, so we like we did the, kind of like the long distance thing for a little while. Um, and then actually I was moving to New York to go to culinary school. And when I moved to New York, we kind of like moved in together and we've been together for three years. So that's crazy. What was your first burn together like Burning Man? Um, last year. Last actually. year was the first time you came together. Yeah. And how yeah. was that? I had a great time with her, you know, we were able to go off and do our own things separately and independently and, you know, not, that's okay and when we were, we were together it was just all the more special, you know. Was there ever a moment where you had like drama or tension between you? Oh yeah, of course. Anybody who says that that didn't happen <coughs> is fucking lying. How do you cope with that? <laughs> How do you make relationship work on the plan? How do you sustain it and make it work so that you have one when you can get back to your default life? I think everything, for me, I would say personally, like, everything here is amplified. So there's nothing here that isn't in the real world. It's all, this is the real world. It's just magnified and amplified and accelerated. You, you just make it work, you know. You just, if you're not, you have to grow, you have to evolve, you have to, you know, you have to face things about yourself that are not pretty, that you don't want to face, that are ugly, and maybe things in a relationship that you don't want to face that maybe aren't the best part of your relationship and they're going to come up everything here is going to happen so you're going to have to either just choose whether or not you're going to deal with it or you're going to walk away and I think relationships that work on the playa are those when people are like all right let's deal with this and not let not walk away and you know we have such a good relationship at home like we've been each through with each other through a lot of stuff like in the past three years you know like relatives passing away and surgeries and a lot of different things. Sound like an old married couple. My hemorrhoids. <laughs> that that's what makes us so strong. Like it doesn't matter. Like we, you know, on the playa, if we play with other people, we tell each other. You know, even if it's something that might hurt one another, we still tell each other because it's it's very important. We love each other very much. So how did the wedding come about? Last year, um, we were walking out with a bunch of friends. To the, I think we were walking out the night of the burn. But yeah, she asked me last year. She's like, what do you think about getting married to Burning Man next year? I was like, yeah, okay, that sounds good. And then our friends were walking along with us, and they're like, wait a minute, 
did you guys just, did you just get proposed to? And I'm like, yeah, I guess I kind of did. And they're like, you guys are getting married? I'm like, yeah, and like, we were here for your proposal, and we're like, yeah. And we're like, yeah, and, you know. And then the rest was kind of, it was cool because everybody was there yesterday. All, all of our friends were there. It was just amazing. What did you do for the wedding? Jesus, I can't, it's still, I'm still processing it. That dome over there was filled. Okay, well, first off, dust storm yesterday from hell, um, and then rain clouds everywhere. And I'm supposed to be getting ready, you know, showered and clean and all that stuff for my wedding. And it's getting to be a little difficult to do that. And then uh, sky cleared just as we started our sake happy hour. And a really good friend of hers came and DJed a bunch of 70s like funk. And then Reverend Billy shows up in a rocket car. And all of my friends jump on. We go across the playa. We're halfway there. And our friends set up a burn like a burn platform and did a puppet show and lit a vagina on fire get back on the rocket car with Reverend Billy on the microphone all the way to Philadelphia experiment with all of our friends making noise and the choir singing on the way there and then we get there and like went up on stage and like read our vows out of this little book that she found called Hugs and Kisses Hugs and Kisses and we actually described all sorts of different kinds of hugs and kisses and kisses when you just want to blow a kiss, kisses when you really don't want to kiss, kisses with your toes and your nose and your fingers. And we actually had everybody at the end kiss in the audience, kiss and hug. Um, That's what they need, another excuse to start kissing each other. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I actually, it was a really interesting story. We were kind of grappling with our vows yesterday. And we went to get ice, and there's a giant ear over here, and it says, read to the ear. And I picked up the Hugs and Kisses book, and I started crying as I was reading it. It's just a basket case. I had to read the book three times before we left camp for the wedding, so I wouldn't just cry throughout the entire thing. But it was just so beautiful, because, like, you know, hugs and kisses, and it's such an important thing. Sex is very important, but, you know, that snuggling, cuddling... Yeah. The hugs and kisses are even more important for keeping our relationship so special and like so together. So the wedding happens. We get on Acavello. We had a great time. We come home and there was a path with red lights all over our tent. And there was a path of tool on the ground. And when we opened up our tent, they actually cleaned our tent for us, blew our bed up, covered everything in red satin. Um, my friend Andreas and my friend Garden are both kind of like, you know, they like to tie people up. They're really good at what they do. They actually took our mirror and they tied it over our bed. <laughs> there's, that, there's a little tray with a bottle of wine and, and grapes. grapes. Oh, and, wow. and the, you know, the dildo oh. and the harness are right there on the bed, all suggestively next to the bottle of wine. I just, I hadn't cried the whole night. Somehow I managed to just kind of like ride with it and like experience it. I was just like tears. I'm like, these are the most amazing people I've ever met in my life. Like our friends for the wedding last night, um, and I found this out later on. Whiskey and Whores was supposed to, were supposed to perform at three o'clock this morning. It was all a farce because I had asked Jamie Slater to perform about a year ago at our wedding, and they totally like pissed us off, faked us out, made us come over to the Acavello car, and when we got there, they just grabbed us, put us on stage, made us sing, and fed us whiskey. It was great. And it was ridiculously Every fantastic. Everyone should have whiskey and horrors. <laughs> yeah. I, I want to get married again. More whiskey and horrors. Yeah.
There was so much love, like our friend Steph had uh, invited us to do the Philadelphia experiment. And in the middle of the night, as we're having a grand time, our wedding photographer and Steph show up in a, a black kitty car yeah. and just ride along and are taking pictures. Yeah. It's just unreal. It's just like every time I opened my eyes and turned around and someone was there to like hug me, give me a present, and take a picture, and like I was just like overwhelmed. It's, it's amazing. And it was, it was, I made, we, I think I made almost every single person cry. I, I was in such a schmoopy, right we were in such a schmoopy mood that I think every single one of our friends I went up to, I made every single person cry last night. I hope you found those stories as sweet and endearing as I did. In fact, I think as soon as I finished the interviews, I jumped on my bike and went to go see about a boy I'd met earlier in the week. This is Diva Danielle for Burncast. Don't forget, decompression this Saturday, October 13th. All information at www.la-burningman.com. If you'd like to download sets, learn more about my upcoming shows, or the hip genesis, ninja skills, and pocket underground after party to decompression, check out my website at www.djdivadanielle.com. Thank you to Test Shot Starfish for letting us use their song, Giant, for this podcast. And thanks to Jared McCaver for passing on a few photos of burning love. You've been listening to Burncast, a podcast spreading the flames about the art, culture, and community of Burning Man. For more information, visit burncast.net. To contact us, call the Burncast hotline at 775-363-5861. A very special thanks to Lecter of NoSpectators.com for hosting these podcasts.